the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. The Lord wants us always looking ahead. He wants us always looking ahead to when we will see Jesus Christ in His glory and not be focused on this present world or our current circumstances or our present suffering. In Colossians chapter 3, verses 2 to 4, it says, Set your mind on things above, not on the things of this earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Whether we care to admit it or not, many of us can easily consume way more information than what we'd normally consider healthy. From politics, pop culture, fashion, or otherwise, the world is constantly feeding distractions and nonsense. In today's message, Pastor Dan will both encourage you and remind you that we're called to look ahead for the kingdom. In his study, you'll learn the importance of setting your mind on things above rather than the things of that which will perish. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of Micah chapter 3 for today's edition of Ring of Truth. start out in Micah chapter 3. Now just as a reminder, Micah was a prophet who addressed both the northern and southern kingdoms. He addresses the whole nation of Israel. And back in chapter 3, Micah declared that the nation would be judged because of the corrupt leaders of the nation. If you look back at chapter 3 verse 12, he says, therefore because of you, and he's talking to the political and religious leaders of the nation. Because of you, Zion shall be plowed like a field. Jerusalem shall become heaps of ruins and the mountain of the temple like the bare hills of the forest. After telling Israel that their capital city of Jerusalem will be destroyed in chapter 4, the Lord looked ahead to the future, to the kingdom age. And we've seen several times in the prophets where the Lord will warn them of destruction, of judgment that's coming, and then the Lord takes them to the future. The Lord looks ahead to the kingdom age. The Lord wants us always looking ahead. He wants us always looking ahead to when we will see Jesus Christ in his glory and not be focused on this present world or our current circumstances or our present suffering. In Colossians chapter 3, verses 2 to 4, it says, Set your mind on things above, not on the things of this earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Set your mind on things above, where Christ is. 
not on the things of this earth. And scripture is constantly lifting our eyes off of the present and lifting our eyes to glory. We're to live this way continually. In Romans chapter 8, verse 18, the Apostle Paul writes, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Paul wasn't focused on the suffering that he was experiencing in the present time, but on the glory which will be revealed in us when we see Jesus Christ face to face. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul talks about our light affliction, which is but for a moment compared to eternity. And we're to focus on eternity. In 1 Peter chapter 1, Peter writes, In this you greatly rejoice, that though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So right now we're tested for a little while. Right now we're going through trials, but uh, it's going to be our faith will be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Many times in the New Testament, we're commanded to watch or to be watchful for the coming of Jesus Christ, to watch and be ready. Jesus said, watch and be ready because you do not know the hour when the Son of Man will come. And so we're to always be watching. We should be living every day with expectation. We might see the Lord today, if not, maybe tomorrow. And we should live with this expectation, setting our mind on eternal things, not the temporal, living that way. And critics will say, well, if you always have your mind set on heaven, you always have your mind on the day that you'll see Jesus Christ, you'll be so heavenly minded that you'll be no earthly good. And let me say, first of all, I have never met anyone who is so heavenly minded that they're no earthly good. And I would also add to that, the only way you can be any earthly good is if you're heavenly minded and you have that eternal perspective. So here in Micah, the Lord points the people of Israel to the latter days. Yes, judgment is coming in the near, but look ahead to the latter days when the kingdom of Jesus Christ will be established on the earth. We're talking about the kingdom age. Right now we're living in the church age, which began with the crucifixion, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus Christ. The church age will last until the rapture of the church. And then sometime after the rapture, you'll have the seven years of tribulation upon the earth when God is pouring out his wrath upon a Christ-rejecting world. At the end of the tribulation, Jesus Christ comes back to the earth and establishes his kingdom on the earth. And the kingdom age begins. And that's what Micah is looking ahead to, the kingdom age. The kingdom age will begin with the return of Jesus Christ to the earth. And when Jesus Christ returns, he will rule over all of the earth as king of kings and lord of lords. The most prayed prayer in church, in churches, is what we commonly call the Lord's Prayer. And part of the Lord's Prayer is thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that prayer will be answered one day when Jesus Christ returns to the earth. And he establishes his kingdom here on the earth. And Jesus will rule from the city of Jerusalem. Look at chapter 4, verse 1. Now it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord's house, that's Jerusalem, shall be established on the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above all the hills and peoples 
shall flow to it. So Jerusalem will be established as the capital of the world. The world will be governed by Jesus Christ in accordance to God's word. Verse 2 of chapter 4 tells us that, that during the kingdom age, all nations will go up to Jerusalem to the house of God, and Jesus will teach us his ways. What an, what an amazing time that will be. There'll be peace on earth, no more war. We looked at all of this last week. Everyone will dwell in security. Everyone will experience personal prosperity. Look at verse 4 of chapter 4. Everyone shall sit under his vine and under his fig tree, which is a, is a picture of personal, individual prosperity during the kingdom age. Now, last week I mentioned that George Washington quoted this verse over 50 times in his personal letters as a description of of the future hope for our new nation, the United States. I found out last week after church that several of you, when I mentioned that, several of you immediately thought of the musical Hamilton because George Washington sings this verse in the musical Hamilton. Hamilton. So there you go. Just pointing that out to the rest of you. I had no idea until after church. So chapter four describes the coming kingdom. Now look at verse eight of chapter four. In verse eight, he says, "In you, O tower of the flock, the stronghold of the daughter of Zion, to you it shall come, this kingdom, even the former dominion shall come, the kingdom of the daughter of Jerusalem. So verse eight tells us that this kingdom This kingdom of Messiah, this kingdom of Jesus Christ will come, it says, to the tower of the flock. What's that? Well, the Hebrew is Migdal Eder, Migdal Eder, the tower of the flock. Shepherds who watched over a large flock of sheep would build a tower. And that tower, they'd build the tower out in the field where their sheep grazed. And that tower provided the shepherds a high vantage point where they could watch over their large flock. It also provided them a place to sleep at night when they were out in the field with their sheep at night. So look at verse 8 again. This is important. So the kingdom will come to the tower of the flock. That's a pretty unusual prophecy. I want you to think of the Christmas story for a few moments. When Jesus was born... To whom was his birth announcement made? Shepherds. And where were the shepherds? Living out in the field, watching their flock by night. Luke chapter 2, verse 8 says they were living out in the field. Well, where would shepherds live? Out in the field at night. Well, probably the tower of the flock is where they would be living at night, if, if not in the tower of the flock, they were at least living in the area near the tower of the flock when the angel appeared to them to announce the birth of Jesus Christ. So, so the announcement of the birth of the king of the Jews was first made to shepherds who lived in the fields around Bethlehem where the tower of the flock would be located. The kingdom came to the tower of the flock, just as Micah said in chapter 4, Verse 8. Now, Alfred Edersheim is a guy that maybe you've heard of. Uh, In his classic work on the life of Jesus Christ, he points out that the shepherds who raised the sheep in the fields around Bethlehem were not ordinary shepherds. And they didn't raise 
ordinary sheep. The, the shepherds in the fields around Bethlehem, they raised sheep specifically for sacrifice in the temple in Jerusalem. So it's even more fitting that the announcement of the birth of Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world, was first made to the shepherds who raised the sheep for sacrifice in the temple in Jerusalem. And that announcement came in the field where the sacrificial sheep were kept. We'll return to Pastor Dan's message in just a moment. First, Pastor Dan would like to tell you about the new Calvary Chapel Ellicott City app. We recently launched an app for our church and we're really excited about it. It's designed to keep you connected to our radio ministry, Ring of Truth, as well as to our church, Calvary Chapel. And get this, we have over 1,200 sermons on the app. The app is super convenient, it's easy to use, and allows you to listen to Bible studies anytime, anywhere. So download the app right now, search for Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City in your app store, or just follow the links on our website at calvaryec.com. What a great way to stay connected to Scripture. Now, back to today's message on Ring of Truth. And so chapter 4 tells us about this, this coming kingdom, and now chapter 5 tells us about the coming king. Look at verse 1. Now gather yourself in troops, O daughter of troops. He has laid siege against us. They will strike the judge of Israel with a rod on the cheek. Now, with Bible prophecy, quite often there is what is called the near and the far of prophecy. That is, Bible prophecy often has a near fulfillment and a far fulfillment, or an immediate fulfillment and a greater fulfillment in the future. The near fulfillment of verse 1 was with King Zedekiah. King Zedekiah was the last king of Judah before the Babylonians conquered Judah and took them into captivity. Zedekiah was the last king. This describes the humiliation that King Zedekiah experienced at the hands of the Babylonians. They will strike the judge, that would be King Zedekiah, the judge of Israel with a rod on the cheek, meaning uh, Zedekiah will be defenseless against the Babylonians and humiliated. The idea here is that he, he won't even be able to raise his hands to protect his face from a blow. Now, this is described for us in 2 Kings chapter 25, if you want to turn there with me. 2 Kings chapter 25, verse 1. It says, Now it came to pass in the ninth year of his reign, in the tenth month, on the tenth day of the month, that Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, and all his army came against Jerusalem and encamped against it. And they built a siege wall against it all around, and so the city was besieged until the eleventh year of King Zedekiah. By the ninth day of the fourth month, the famine had become so severe in the city that there was no food for the people of the land. Then the city wall was broken through, and all the men of war fled at night by way of the gate between two walls, which was by the king's garden, even though the Chaldeans were still encamped all around against the city. So all of the army that's in Jerusalem flees. And the king, that would be King Zedekiah, went by way of the plain. So he, he flees too. But the army of the Chaldeans pursued the king, and they overtook him in the plains of Jericho. All his army was scattered from him. And so the king and his family are alone. They don't have any military to protect them. 
Look at verse 6. And so they took the king, Zedekiah, and brought him up to the king of Babylon, that would be Nebuchadnezzar, at Riblah, and they pronounced judgment on him. Look what it says. Then they killed the sons of Zedekiah before his eyes, and they put out the eyes of Zedekiah, bound him with bronze fetters, and took him to Babylon, so that the last thing that Zedekiah saw was the execution of his own sons, and then they put out his eyes. Literally, listen, give me your attention, literally, they scooped out his eyes. So this is the near fulfillment of the prophecy. Go, go back to Micah. Go back to Micah. This is the near fulfillment. But this prophecy, verse 1, is also describing the treatment that Jesus Christ received. Look at verse 1 again. They will strike the judge of Israel with a rod on the cheek. The the people of Israel will go to war against the Lord. John 1 says he came unto his own and his own received him not. Jesus was despised and rejected by his own people. He was humiliated by his own people. At his trial before the religious leaders, it says they spat in his face. They blindfolded him. And they began to punch him in the face, saying, prophesy, who is the one who struck you? The religious leaders turned Jesus over to the Romans, and the Romans also mocked him and beat him. We're told in the Gospels they beat him about the head with rods before crucifying him. And then crucifixion was a very humiliating way to die. And so this is also describing Jesus. And the humiliation and the suffering that he will experience. And and the remarkable thing to me is that God, knowing that this is how they will treat his son, still sent his son into the world. This is how much God loves us. This is how much God desires to save people. That he would still send his son. And now look at verse 2. But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, Though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from of old, from everlasting. Now, if you're taking notes, this was written 700 years before the birth of Jesus Christ. 700 years before the birth of Christ, and the name of the town where the king will be born is given here. He will be born in Bethlehem. That's where the Messiah will be born. Anybody here born in Bethlehem? Bethlehem, Israel, not Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Right? So none of you are the Messiah. Because the Messiah will be born in Bethlehem. This is one of the most remarkable messianic prophecies in the Bible. It tells us the exact town the Messiah will be born in 700 years before the time that Christ was actually born. This eliminates Every person in history who was not born in Bethlehem. You're out of the running for being the Messiah if you were born somewhere else. I've shared this before, but uh, years ago when my wife and I were on staff at a Calvary Chapel in Florida, a guy called the church one day, said he was Jesus Christ, wanted to address the congregation that weekend. And the guy that spoke to him on the phone from the church asked him where he was born. He said, Dothan, Alabama. He said, you're not the Messiah because you have to be born in Bethlehem. That was an easy question and you missed it. You know, it wasn't like, what's the seventh commandment, you know, or something like that. 
And many of you are probably familiar with the work of Dr. Peter Stoner. Peter Stoner was a mathematician, and he was the chair of the science department at Westmont College in California. And Stoner wrote a a well-known book, and in that book he calculated the probability of just eight messianic prophecies being fulfilled in the life of Jesus Christ, including being born in the town of Bethlehem. And he calculated that the probability of Jesus fulfilling just eight messianic prophecies is one in 10 to the 17th power. Or only one person in 100 quadrillion people could fulfill eight prophecies. Jesus fulfilled over 300 prophecies from the Old Testament. The fulfillment of all the prophecies by Jesus demonstrate that he was God incarnate, and it also shows the supernatural origin of the Bible. Again, this prophecy here, given 700 years before Jesus Christ was born, the king will be born in the town of Bethlehem. It says Bethlehem Ephrathah, because it says Bethlehem Ephrathah because there was another Bethlehem and Galilee and Zebulun. And so this is the Bethlehem that's in Judah, south of Jerusalem. Uh, This is where, back in Genesis 35, Rachel died on the way to Bethlehem Ephrathah. Uh, This is the town of Boaz and Ruth. Remember the story of Boaz, the kinsman redeemer of Ruth. This is the hometown of David. This is the town where Samuel anointed David to become the second king of Israel. Look what it says about Bethlehem. It was little among the thousands of villages in Judah. How little was Bethlehem? Well, I'm glad you asked. In Joshua chapter 15, Joshua lists the towns that were allotted to the tribe of Judah. And Bethlehem was so small and insignificant, it's not even mentioned in the list. And Joshua 15. It's estimated that at the time of the birth of Jesus Christ, listen to this, the town of Bethlehem had a population of between 200 and 300 people. 700 years before, God says, the king's going to be born in this town, and it's a town of 200 people, 300 people. We're talking about 40 or 50 houses. Now, the other, the other night I went, I counted the houses on my street. I have about 40 houses on my street. The population of my street is the size of the town of Bethlehem in the first century when Jesus was born. This is a very, very precise prophecy that God gives here. I mean, in our terms today, it's like he is naming the street the Messiah will be born on. If you or I were God, and praise the Lord, we're not, but if just, you know, if we were, what city would you have the Messiah born in? Jerusalem, the religious capital of the world, Rome, the political capital of the world, Athens, the intellectual and philosophical capital of the world. Certainly not the little town of Bethlehem, a couple hundred people. He asked me how I know, and I say, bring 
We're so glad you tuned in to hear today's edition of Ring of Truth. Pastor Dan Sexton is continuing to teach through the book of Micah, verse by verse, chapter by chapter. If you'd like to hear this message again, or to listen to additional teachings from Pastor Dan, you're welcome to visit our website at calvaryec.com. Once there, you can listen to or download a wide range of previous broadcasts. Otherwise, simply subscribe to our podcast. Our podcasts provide you with up-to-date teachings through the Bible and can be taken with you wherever you might be. This can be advantageous for those who are on the go much of the time. You'll find a link to subscribe to our podcast at our website, calvaryec.com, or just search for Ring of Truth in iTunes. We'd love to hear how Ring of Truth has had an impact on your life, so please let us know by giving us a call at 410-491-4592. That number again is 410-491-4592. We'd also really like to know how we can be praying for you. So when you call, don't be afraid to share your prayer request with us. We'd be happy to pray with you and for you. Ring of Truth is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City in Columbia, Maryland. We hope you'll be sure to join us again as Pastor Dan continues teaching in this series through the book of Micah. We look forward to the next edition of Ring of Truth. I see the signs and I recognize the hands that crack. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.